Agriculture touches the lives of every American on a daily basis. From the food we eat to the clothes we wear, even the renewable fuels that help power our cars. It's amazing what our farmers and ranchers are able to accomplish every single day, especially when you consider the high stakes nature of farming. That's why it's important that we maintain a strong safety net. Welcome back to Groundwork. I'm your host, Tom Sell. Today's guest is an incredible advocate for farm policy from the Minnesota farm where he grew up to the house floor as a chairman of the all-powerful House Ag Committee, Colin has worked to help drive ag forward, literally. Colin, thank you for joining me today. It's, it's an honor, it's a real pleasure to have you on the podcast. So not, not only are we partnering on this podcast, but I'm really excited that we're gonna be working together to promote and protect policies that support rural America. But Colin, why why did you feel compelled to step forward once again to serve our farmers and ranchers? Well, this uh, uh, thank you for being having me on here. This has always, as you know, been a passion of mine. And um, frankly, it hasn't been that long, but I kind of miss the interaction with uh, with uh, the farmers and the farm groups and the people that work on on ag policy. <clears throat> so this is an opportunity for me to you know get back engaged in the issues. I was. I told somebody um, uh, interview I did here at home. I told him I said I, I'm finding out I'm not very good at being retired. <laughs> so anyway, um, uh, you know I'm looking back. You're looking to get back into the uh, uh, policy area. And the other thing that happened is I was getting a lot of calls from producers uh, that I know around the country. Uh, you know, people like uh, the secretary and so forth that said, you know, you, you need to stay engaged. You know, we, yeah. we've got too much yeah. background and too much knowledge and all that. So, um, so all of those things and, uh, you know, you giving me a call and it all worked out. I love it. You know, you're, you're talking about retirement there. Remind me, I, I, list, I heard a story on, on NPR years ago. That's, that's right. I'm a, I'm a, uh, I'm a conservative and I listen to NPR. I think it's great programming. <laughs> but they were interviewing a 96-year-old farmer uh, from Kansas and um, who was still working every day. And and in their interview, they asked, so so when do you still contemplate retiring? Do you think you'll ever retire? And the old crusty farmer said, uh, I'll I'll, refi- I'll retire as soon as I find that word in the good book. And I've been searching a long time my Bible to find the word retired, and I haven't found it yet. It was, it was just classic of the American kind of rural, uh, you know, strong work ethic and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Well, Colin, you're yeah. very in tune with the difficulties that rural America has faced over the last few years. What are kind of some of the top challenges that you see or feel agriculture is facing right now? Well, um, you know, I think one of the biggest challenges is it continues to be getting people uh, from urban areas and, and suburban areas to uh, better understand what we do in agriculture and to better understand the rural areas. That's always been a challenge, and it probably is getting to be a bigger challenge as we go along as more people are uh, living in, in urban America and not rural America. Now, the other thing I think is a challenge is... Um, you know, we've been able to keep partisanship out of the Ag Committee uh, pretty much, but it's getting harder and harder to do. And um, that's, you know, a real danger for agriculture. If we can't 
uh, figure out how to work together across the you know, party lines, uh, we're going to have real problems because you can't do anything that's long lasting or that sticks with one party. Uh, you just can't do it. And, um, so that, you know, um, and then, you know, we've got the climate uh, change thing that's being uh, pushed by the new administration and the new Congress. And, uh, you know, we have to kind of think, get in front of that um, and make sure that whatever they end up coming up with is something that that uh, producers can actually work into their operation and make sense. You know, I think people are willing to do their part, but uh, it has to be something that um, is practical, you know. So... Um, you know, and, and as time goes along, we'll get more challenges. But um, right now, the prices are looking better, at least in crop agriculture, and that's got everybody feeling good. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Looking forward to spring. So, um, you know, that's a farmer for They're all, always optimistic. <laughs> got to be optimistic. Got to be kind of rose-colored glasses to, to, to cope. And it, we may be delusional at times, but it keeps us going. And that's 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 an amazing and, and, and good thing. I'm glad you mentioned the bipartisanship. You know, divisive and just, uh, you know, partisan politics on steroids doesn't work for agriculture. It doesn't work for America, really. And, and, and uh, you know, I think, you know, partisan politics can be good, the competitive nature of it, but, but when it goes awry, it can really be destructive. And so I think even, even, you know, you're and I speaking on this program today, it's, it's, you know, we can have some disagreements, but ultimately we need to come together to solve problems um, from different perspectives. And it's that, it's that middle ground that is so very important in our nation. You have modeled this Colin in a, in a big way as chairman of the House Agriculture Committee, you're you're no stranger to farm policy, but you've also shepherded, you've helped lead multiple farm bills through Congress. Um, let's maybe just talk a little bit more about some of the top policy issues that, that Congress should fo- focus on as they gear up for the next farm bill. You've already mentioned climate uh, to an extent, but what are some of the other issues that you see out there? Well, the um, I think the, the media thing uh, is going to be facing. Um, everybody is going to be the implementation of this latest COVID bill. And there is um, what they, what was done in there. And some of this was, was things that I put together back um, when I was uh, still in Congress and chairman. Uh, There's a lot of latitude to to the secretary. And so there's going to be, um, I think a period of time here, I don't know how long it's going to take where they're going to be uh, figuring out, you know, the rules and regulations and how they implement uh, all of these things that were in the bill. And that's going to be something that we have to pay attention to. Uh, you know, like in our part of the world, we had a lot of problems last spring with um, packing plants uh, shutting down and, you know, supply chain problems and so forth. And so in the legislation are the uh, depopulation provisions that I put in there and Yep. Uh, other things to help uh, producers that had to deal with that. So there's a lot of rules and regulations that have to be uh, dealt with there. And uh, also some of the payments that are in there in terms of how the um, these payments are paid out and the payment limitations and all that. There's, there's a bunch of discretion. So, um, you know, we have to pay attention to that and uh, get through that next process. And then, you know, I would assume that the committee will start having hearings uh, next year 
uh, getting ready for 2023, and that's what we've normally done it's been the, the kind of the year before the farm bill. And, um, you know, we'll have to be geared up to weigh in on that and make sure that um, our voices are heard. On our side of the aisle, we have a lot of new people on the committee, and we have a, a lot of them that don't have that much rural or farm background. So we've got a lot of education. They're good people. We just have a lot of education that we have to do, a lot of work we have to do to, to engage them. Yeah, it's it's indicative of our of our nation's population. I always tell people, you know, Congress truly is a representative body. And just like, you know, we have two million farmers who officially meet the definition of a farmer, uh, which is a pretty loose definition, uh, two million out of 330 million people in this nation, so well less than 1%. Um, you know, it's kind of the same in Congress. Obviously, you have some big chunks of land that are represented by a few people, uh, but there's a lot of education. Colin, I'm also glad that you mentioned the, you know, the pandemic, the supply chain issues that, that agriculture really championed through. You know, there were some incredibly complex uh, difficulties through that. Congress uh, obviously enacted several pieces of legislation, or, or actually there was a lot of administrative action, and then finally y'all did, a, did an incredible kind of uh, bill in December to to wrap up a lot of the needs and address a lot of the needs in agriculture. But even that is complex, and it's complex to administer, uh, just as, as you mentioned, uh, because they're complex problems that, that, that we were seeking to address. So uh, maybe let's talk a little bit more about climate. America's farmers and ranchers are obviously on the front lines of the fight against climate change. They control this massive swath of land that has an impact on uh, carbon. They've spent decades investing in conservation and sustainable production methods. How can um, farm policy help encourage this progress in the environmentally and economically sustainable uh, way that seems to be desired? This has been the topic. It was even the topic of a, of a hearing yesterday. I know you've given a lot of thought to it. What are some of the ways that, that you think about that, that U.S. agriculture can really stand up and address this problem? Well, um, that's a good question because some of this, frankly, we don't we don't understand enough about it to know, you know, what is actually effective and what isn't. And there's not, in my opinion, been enough research done to, you know, to to document what we've accomplished. For example, you know, the, what we've done with the CSP program and and. Uh, you know, uh, other um, improvements we made and made in the way that we farm and, you know, um, pay attention to water quality and, you know, and those kinds of things. Uh, I assume what's going to happen is there's going to be more ramping up of things in that area. And I, I think everybody agrees that that's, you know, that's going to be uh, moving in the right direction. Uh, there's also a lot of interest in cover crops. And, you know, I, I'm, I've got cover crops on my farm and, uh, you know, in certain ways I believe in it, but there's also challenges because with some types of crops, it doesn't really work. And in the, you know, up here up north, we don't have a, you know, when you get done harvesting sugar beets or potatoes, uh, there's no time and no growing days left. You can't get a cover crop started. You know, so part of what we got to do is figure out uh, if we're going to have to sequester carbon, we have to we have to be able to document 
document it and, you know, know what we're talking about. So, um, you know, we've got some work to do there, but what I'm concerned about is whatever ends up happening, it's something that's, that's workable, you know, and it's, and it's something that's sensible. If, if that's not the case, what's going to happen is you're going to have a backlash and you'll actually set things back, you know. So I've been talking to uh, people at USDA um, from the secretary on down. I've been talking to Bill Gates and some of his people and, um, you know, and so I'm trying to educate myself, but I'm finding that there's not, you know, enough information there uh, that's documented and peer reviewed and, you know, in a scientific way that everybody agrees on that, uh, you know, that, we, you know, we need, we need more, more information there. Colin, it's, just your wisdom in speaking to it in that way and, and, and really pushing toward, you know, more information, more science. Uh, let, let's have a very serious and science-based conversation on this based on real data and peer-reviewed uh, uh, analysis. I think there's just so much uh, wisdom there. It's why, you know, I think it's it's such a good thing for, for the, really the U.S. And, and the nation and our world that, that you're going to be uh, continue to be in, engaged Maybe lastly, I, I just love, do you have a favorite story uh, from your time in Congress or something like that you'd like to share with our listeners? Um, you are a, a veteran <laughs> of this body that frustrates, but, you know, it, it inspires hope and it's the best government that's ever been created, but it's, it's such a frustrating place from the outside as well. Any favorite stories you might have? Well, <laughs> I can tell a lot of stories, but... I represent the Northwest Angle of Minnesota, which got into the United States by accident. And there's a little tip that sticks up in Minnesota, and it's above the 49th parallel. And there's 120 yeah, people that live like up there. Yeah, it's more attached to Canada. That's a, a, yeah, well, yeah, it, it was, well, it got into the United States by accident because it was mentioned in the Treaty of Paris of 1789. They mentioned the Northwest Angle, and they didn't know where it was. And so they said the Northwest Angle west to the Mississippi River. And they were trying to define the border, and they didn't understand, you know. And actually, the Mississippi River is southeast of the yeah, Northwest right. Angle. It's already west. And so because, yeah, so because it was mentioned in the treaty, they decided it had to be left in the United States. So you can't get to that place without driving through Canada, you know, on land. You can get there over water. Uh, but you can't get there over land without going through Canada. Well, right now, their uh, Canadian border is shut down, so the people that have cabins up there can't even go up. And last year, they couldn't visit their cabin all year because of the situation. Yeah. But anyway, um, back, oh, I don't know, 15 years ago, the Canadians passed a law that said, and you know, these people that are up on the angle, uh, on the, you know, they fish in Canada. That's what they do. And people go up there and, yeah. you know, there's resorts and so forth. So um, the Canadians passed a law that said that if, if you don't stay in a Canadian resort, you can't keep any fish when you're fishing. So you can <laughs> fish in Canada, but you can't keep. They couldn't even keep fish for shore lunch. So, so anyway, so they were all worked up and they were, you know, worried they were going to be put out of business. So they got a hold of me and. There's a train that goes through uh, out of Canada and goes 30 miles into the United States and back into Canada, the Canadian Pacific. 
So they wanted to they wanted to get some attention. So they said, "Well, you know, will you come up here and lay down in the railroad track with us and block the train." <laughs> and I said, "Well, I said I guess if you guys will do it, I'll do it." You know. So anyway, so I go up there and um, I said, "Well, you know, there's got to be a better way to do this." I said, "You know," and they had the premier of Manitoba was there because she has a cabin up there. And I said, "You know, do you people really care if you're in Canada or the United States." And uh, they said, well, no, not really. And I said, well, have you ever thought about just, you know, having this area secede from the union and, uh, you know, become part of Canada? Because that would fix your problem, you know. And they said, well, yeah, that's okay. So I introduced a bill. You know, the only bill since the Civil War to, uh, for, to, for a part of the United States to secede from the union. And, uh, and it, got, it got people's attention. And we had this lawyer from Minneapolis call up and he said, well, I negotiated NAFTA and this is a violation of NAFTA. And so we took it to NAFTA court and we got it fixed, you know. So um, and now they're trying to get me to lie down in front of the train again uh, because or because they they want to try to open up the border. You know, and I've been trying to help them with that. But uh, it's a difficult place. So they made a nice road. And so all winter, they've been driving up there. They plow it every day with the snow plows, and they drive up across the ice to get up there. from. <laughs> so anyway, um, so, you know, I still got that bill. Uh, they, they made a bronze clock of it. It's the only bill that uh, was ever introduced to let anybody secede from the United States <laughs> since the 1800s. So. <laughs> I love it. That's a great story. It, it's a lot of things that uh, I, as a West Texan, am very unfamiliar with, like uh, – uh, fishable waters and that that type of stuff. So I, have, I, you know, I brought uh, I brought Benny Thompson, uh, Philemon Vela, and uh, Vincente Gonzalez up to the Northwest Angle, and they went up there and went fishing with me for a couple of days. In fact, we got a picture of them uh, standing next to this marker that says the north northernmost part of the United States. And of course, Phil's uh, district is the southernmost part of the United States. So yeah, we, yeah. we made a connection there. <laughs> yeah, Phil, great from the from the Rio Grande Valley in Texas. I tell you, I am yeah. familiar with uh, uh, laying down on the tracks. That's that's a phrase we use in Washington D.C. quite a lot. Um, and <laughs> and one might say that you have laid on the tracks many times uh, uh, to save agriculture and and. Uh, and I, I just I can't say how much it's it's appreciated. Thank you, Colin, for your leadership throughout the years. I know that all of rural America is looking forward to seeing what you're able to accomplish next. So that's it for this episode of Groundwork. You can always find additional episodes or more information on the importance of supporting our farmers at farmpolicyfacts.org. I'm your host, Tom Sell. <laughs>